We'd like to thank our friends at People's Mortgage for sponsoring Arizona Varsity and Arizona's athletes. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance your current mortgage, the experienced team at People's Mortgage is ready to help you. People's Mortgage has been a local lender for over 20 years, and their team has extensive knowledge of the local economy. They'll find the loan that best fits your needs. Rate your low, so connect with them today at 602-714-2555. That's 602-714-2555. Find out why they say, at People's Mortgage, it's all about the people. AZBK0904164 NMLS6274 Equal Housing Lender. This is the Take It Easy Sports Show on Arizona Varsity Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Take It Easy Sports Show here on ArizonaVarsity.com. My name is Zach Avira, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Newman. We've got a great show ahead of us today. Uh, Eric and I are not going to spend as much time as we usually do talking about the games that we were at or the matchups that we plan to be at um, this week for the semifinals for all the conference championships and the open division. And the reason for that is because we have two very good interviews coming up in this show. One, we're going to be talking to the man himself, the uh, director of swag, as Eric calls him, Chili. Uh, we're going to be talking to him about the upcoming Chili Bowl between Higley and Mountain Ridge, uh, a game that is kind of like an exhibition contest um, that the AIA pretty much told teams they're allowed to do if they don't make playoffs this year because of the shortened season. So, uh, you know, Eric and I are going to kind of explain our roles in that game when we're talking to Chili. Chili's going to kind of explain his vision with that Um, as well. We're also going to be talking to David Hines, the AIA executive director. Now with him, we spoke on, uh, you know, fall sports, obviously wrapping up uh, just an incredible feat in itself, obviously with the pandemic going on. And we're also going to be talking about winter sports and, you know, what led to the decision to delay winter sports until January. Um, You know, the, the metrics, or I guess you could say the lack thereof, because they're pretty much throwing those out when it comes to starting up, but the metrics are still very important when it comes to fan attendance. Um, so very good show ahead of us. Like I said, Eric and I are not going to spend as much time talking about the games that we were at or the games that we plan on seeing this week as much because we really want to get straight into those interviews. So just to start before we do that, Eric, first of all, how are you doing? And second of all, what was the game that you were at this past Friday? I'm doing well. These interviews were a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed them thoroughly. One was super informative. David, uh, Hines had a lot of awesome things to say kind of some of the facts that um he put into perspective a little bit um some of the information i know there's been kind of an overload of what's going on and everything and i think he articulated pretty clearly um kind of some of the reasons the aia is acted the way they have um in terms of their delaying sports and not delaying some um and letting football go on the way it has and then Chili was just fun. He's a guy that you and I have talked to many, many times. Um, so I'm doing well. But I was at this past weekend. Um, Northwest Christian took on Mesquite in the 4A quarterfinals. It was Northwest Christian's first ever 4A playoff game. Um, 
they had to, I, I, I mean, they had to win the play in game, but this was the first technical playoff game. Um, and Mesquite won 27, 10, um, but it was a battle all the way through Mesquite pulled out at the end. They pulled a couple touchdowns, um, and pulled away and made it look close, uh, a little less close than it actually was. Um, but the biggest takeaway, uh, there are two is that Mesquite looked awesome. And when they turned it on at the end, they looked great. Um, their offense and defense came together, but it also showed me that Northwest Christian belongs in four, eight. And when you lose by 17 points, it's hard to get a lot of moral victories, but they felt good uh, about the way they competed against the, the reigning 4A champions with um, the guys they have over there. And um, I just, I, I thought that it might be tough for them in their first season, but they really competed a lot this year. Um, so a lot of the guys, while they were frustrated that the season was over, they were happy about the effort they put up. So it was cool to see. Yeah, and, you know, it almost makes that uh, lawsuit that Northwest Christian tried to do against the AIA for moving them up uh, seem a little ridiculous at this point. And that's something you and I obviously have mentioned before in the past. But um, I was at Hamilton this weekend, um, the, or this past weekend, I should say. Uh, the Huskies, the number two ranked team in the Open Division, took on Corona del Sol, number seven, obviously. The Aztecs coming in undefeated, Hamilton coming in with one loss to uh, rival Chandler and the number one open seed, obviously. Um, I expected this game to be a lot closer than uh, than it actually was. Yeah. Um, I just want to take the chance to uh, apologize to the entire Hamilton team for saying that Corona maybe had a chance to upset the Huskies. Um, whether or not they actually heard that, I don't know, but uh, Hamilton... <laughs> essentially turned it on right away and never looked back. Um, you know, Nico Marquial was obviously out with a shoulder injury. Don't know yet if he's going to play this week or not. Uh, it wasn't really discussed much by uh, by head coach Mike Zadebski, but uh, they didn't really need him. Uh, the the two-headed monster that is a running back duo with Rodney Clemente and Noah Schmidt there for Hamilton, they combined for well over 300 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, and absolutely, yeah, well, that's all they needed. I mean, literally, that's all that they needed that night. Um, so it was, it was a not a very close contest. Obviously, fifty to zero in favor of Hamilton. Nonetheless, great season by Corona del Sol. Went undefeated. They set the momentum for a very good freshman class and a JV team that's coming up. Corona's going to be in the conversation for the next couple of years, whether it be in the open division or as one of the top seeds in the 6A playoffs. They're going to be there. So make no mistake, Corona was no flop this year. They deserve to be where they were. You know, maybe they would have, you know, liked to be a little bit higher seed, maybe to avoid a Hamilton team. But I mean, nonetheless, again, they deserve to be in the open division. Their names are still going to be there in the history books, fairs, and high school sports. Absolutely. They are, they're one of the absolute surprises of this year uh, in a good oh, way. Oh, 100%. 100%. And it almost makes me feel bad saying that they're a surprise because, you know, guys like Chili, who we've mentioned several times already, he kind of saw this coming with Corona. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he knows exactly what he's talking about. And, you know, obviously we, we all know that anyway, but, you know. Um, Eric, really quick, before we jump into these interviews, uh, what are some of the games this weekend in the semifinals that kind of stand out to you? So one in 5A um, that really interests me is 
between Ironwood and Notre Dame Prep. And it's interesting because it's the six and the seven, and it's not often that in a in a tournament of eight teams that the sixth seed is hosting the second round game. Like that's, I mean, it's the bottom three seed, and it just so happened that both teams got an upset. Um, and Ironwood did it in crazy fashion. They had a, you can read all the Richard Smith, and I'm sure there's some other people that chronicled that game, but they had a crazy comeback and won over Desert Mountain. Um, and Notre Dame prep is absolute no slouch. Um, so that's going to be a really awesome game. I think in for the most part, I don't think there's any bad semifinal games um, all throughout. And can we just take a moment to appreciate the six and seven seeds in the playoffs these last couple of years? No kidding. I mean, Campbell Verde was what? I think a five or a six seed last year, and they made the championship game. Uh, Liberty was a seven seed last yep. year in 6A, if I'm not mistaken. They obviously they won the 6A championship. Um, I mean, we're talking about, oh, Mesquite was, I think, a six seed in 4A, and they won the championship or something. They're close to that. Uh, we're talking in 5A right now, 5 Campo Verde. So obviously the the Coyotes make a return to the 5A conference um, semifinals again as the 5 seed this time. They're going to take on Sunrise Mountain. And then the game that you mentioned with Ironwood, a 6 seed hosting a 7 seed. Um, and, and Notre Dame Prep, again, no slouch. I mean, they won 42-7 to over Sunny Slope, who was the number 2 seed. So uh, interesting how that happens and how it's happened the last couple of years now. Um, for me personally, um, I really like that Chaparral and O'Connor matchup. Um, and I also like the Highland Boulder Creek matchup. Um, you know, Eric, I, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, I think we're going to see a seven versus four seed in the 6A conference finals with Highland and Chaparral. It's very um, possible. I just think, I mean, let's be honest. If Chaparral didn't lose the three games to start the season, we could be talking about them being a potential, I don't know, one, two, three seed in the 6A conference uh, playoffs. Maybe an open division team, depending on how those games would have gone. And Highland's a team that many believe should have been in the open anyway, despite three losses. So, yeah. um, you know, obviously Boulder Creek is is no slouch either. That's going to be a hard game for Highland. The, the, you know, Highland and Chaparral, I don't believe are going to run away with these games, but I think they're going to find ways to win them. And if I'm wrong, so be it. Um, but another game that I'm actually thinking about attending myself, and I don't know exactly which one for sure that I'm going to this week. Yeah, me um, it, it, There's so many good games. So I really don't know. Uh, Mesquite ALA Queen Creek Mesquite had to score 60 points last time to beat the Patriots everyone knows about the Patriots as well they obviously won 3A last year it was their second time and I think three years winning that conference title um, they come in as the two seed Mesquite dropped to the three seed after Washington had to pull out of the play-in game which unfortunately hurt Mesquite as far as their seeding goes but you know in, in reality this is one of those games you could argue is a championship preview, but at the same time, you have Casa Grande and Cactus on the other side of the bracket, who are two very, very good teams. So, like you mentioned, Eric, good games really across the board. Yeah, I think, um, and we won't get, like you said, too deep into the woods on this, but um, that was my dog clawing at the door, if you heard that. <laughs> so that's good. Um, okay. But the I think that we ended up, especially in 4A, 
with the four most talented teams. Um, and 6A and 5A, you know, there were a couple open squads that made those. Um, but the final four, I think in terms of seeds, it isn't necessarily that. Or, or is it just the one through four seed? I think it is, actually, if I'm... Uh, not mistaken but they for the uh, for the 4a you're talking about or the... yeah it's just the one through four seed but yeah I think yeah one through four seed it really captured the four best teams all year in uh in the 4a conference so that's exciting um that we get i think all year people have been thinking that those were the the teams that really had a chance and people were looking forward to these games so yeah. it's going to be really fun all around yeah, I agree. Uh, just to run through the matchups one more time for those of you that don't know, in the open division, we have number one Chandler versus number five Liberty. And we have number two Hamilton against number six South Point Catholic, who uh, moved on automatically from the quarterfinals after Suara was forced to end their season due to COVID-19. Um, 6A once again, four Highland versus one Boulder Creek, seven Chaparral versus three O'Connor. 5A, we're looking at Five Campo Verde, one Sunrise Mountain, seven Notre Dame Prep at six Ironwood, a game that we already touched on a little bit. Um, 4A, again, we just went over these, but uh, four Cactus versus one Casa Grande, three Mesquite, ALA, Queen Creek. 3A Conference, we haven't uh, spoke about at all, but we've got number four, Push Ridge, one of the uh, one of the two Tucson teams still playing. All the other schools were, uh, were forced to end their seasons, even though they weren't going to be involved in the playoffs here. Um, they are taking on number one, Yuma Catholic, and then we have three ALA Gilbert North making the trip over to number two, Snowflake. And finally, in the two-way conference, uh, four Arizona Lutheran versus number one, Benson, and seven St. John's versus Santa Cruz Valley at number three, arguably the, uh, the top team for just about everyone on Team AZV when it comes to uh, our own rankings throughout the year. Um, Santa Cruz Valley, obviously a three seed because they had that loss to Casa Grande, but, um, not nonetheless, I mean, that's a team that's two divisions higher than them and they still played them actually pretty close. So Santa Cruz Valley is a very, very good three seed. That's for sure. Absolutely. I say we get into the interviews. Um, let's get to those before my dog goes crazy and ruins all our audio. <laughs> Right on. Uh, to get things started, here is Chili. We're going to speak to him about the uh, Chili Bowl, and then uh, we will uh, go right into uh, our interview with David Hines, the executive director of the Arizona Interscholastic Association, talking about fall and winter sports. <laughs> We're now joined by the man himself, Chili. He is here to talk about his uh, his patented chili bowl between Higley and Mountain Ridge. It's a uh, kind of a exhibition bowl game kind of thing between these two teams. Uh, it, it, for those of you that don't remember, the AIA did say that teams who don't make the playoffs can schedule one extra game at the end of the season. So far, Mountain Ridge and uh, Higley are the only ones that actually took them up on that offer and... Uh, it's it's even better with the fact that it's essentially sponsored by Chili. So Chili, <laughs> tell us how this game, I guess, really came to fruition and this vision that you have. Um, so I went out and I vlogged uh, the Highland um, Higley game right uh, at the end of the season, and that game was pretty much the winner was going to be in the playoffs to some capacity, 
And Higley had to win that game to get into the playoffs, I think. And um, if they didn't, then they'd probably be on the outside looking in. Um, I have a great relationship over there with Higley. Uh, I have a great relationship with Zuby. And, you know, I kind of had this idea, you know, having booked a few games uh, this year and, you know, gotten involved in the booking of games. You know, I thought like, hey, since the AIA said that, you know, teams that were eliminated from the playoffs could get a one game, uh, quote unquote, bowl game. Why don't I just plan on doing this? So, you know, I reached out to a few schools because initially I wanted to do the Chili Bowl series. And I reached out to a few schools and I got a lot of interest. Uh, some school districts shut down and were like completely tapped out. They're like, nah, you know what? Our last game was our last game. And Higley was all in. Higley was all in. Zuby reached out to me um, after they were eliminated through the bracket show and said, Chili, let, let's do that bowl game. And I was like, okay. I was like, can I do it at Higley? And we, you know, circled a few teams and we came up with Mountain Ridge, a young up and coming team. Coach Madoski has them going right. Um, you know, potentially could go closer to 500, right? Um, if they end up winning this game. So, you know, that that's where we got to. Madoski accepted the invite and here we are. And I'm so excited. Yeah, and it's kind of cool the way you're doing it too because, you know, Eric and I are helping out. Eric is covering Mountain Ridge. I'm covering Higley. So you kind of have the two of us attacking this from both angles. Yeah. And it's it's not like... Well, so technically it is an AIA-sponsored event because they're going to provide the referees and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, especially for Eric and I, you know, we're allowed to bend the rules a little bit. We're, about, we're allowed to a little, have more access than really any other reporter with any other team has. Um, and I'm talking... You know, I, I was out at Higley today and Zuby told me I can go pregame locker room, halftime locker room. Um, I can be in the tunnel with the kids if I want to. I can, you know, get in the huddle with them during timeouts or you know, kind of see what see what it's like for them to, you know, come off the field and watch the monitors. I mean, they're really giving us full access, really, you know, access that we weren't allowed to have this year with with uh, the AIA game. So. You know, what? what is kind of your vision for this and how much different do you want it to be from a regular game that takes place throughout the season? Oh, I want it to be 180. I want the media coverage. I want to fully take advantage of the uh, media that I have access to, uh, you know, yourself, Eric, um, and not just any media, but media that like the teams are familiar with and the, that the teams trust. So yeah, you are going to go into some huddles. Uh, you're going to go into the locker room. Um Eric, I expect to probably do the same thing. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be super in-depth. I cannot wait to see, like, uh, responses and how things go because you're going to really get to see the full personality of these teams, these coaches, what they say to each other, what the vibe is on the sidelines. Um, when they're losing, what what is it like? When they're winning, what is it like? I uh... I've been amazed all season how you've kind of taken up this cause, and this is just one of the examples, and it's the only one that uh, before we recorded we were talking about. It's the only one that technically has had your name on it, but you've spent countless hours um, putting together games, linking people up. How – I mean – what want, made you want to do that, and how many hours do you think you've spent doing that? What's that all been like? Um, you know, like you see everybody say that they're in it for the kids. 
Um, they're doing it for the kids. And then you find out that there's a bill attached to that. Um, I didn't want that. I, I really wanted to do something to put my stamp on this whole uh, quote, we do this for the kids, right? Um, man, what, what you guys do, Eric, you travel to the West side and you know, it's like little to no pay. Um, you know, Zach goes all over the place too, uh, travels around and, you know, does the extra stuff, little to no pay. And when people say like, do it for the kids, like stand by it and actually do it for the kids. And my whole thing was, you know, like I said, I wanted to do a series, but you know, some of the districts were tapped out and I get that, but man, like, dude, this is going to be such a different experience. And I'm, I'm hoping to get get in touch with your earlier guest, um, Mr. Hines, and hopefully, you know, I can do this yearly. I'd like to make this an annual thing. And, you know, I'd like to take two teams that are quote unquote snubbed from the playoffs and uh, let them get down and see what's up, you know, because I think that, you know, we have so much talent out here and man, just having it come to an abrupt end with no chance of anything else, man, that, that's hard. And especially this year, harder than ever. Do you, um, do you remember kind of the first time I'm sure you saw a cancellation and did you just decide, Hey, I want to put these teams together or what was that process like um, at the beginning of the year, just trying to get teams in contact with each other and kind of be that liaison? Man. So the, the first, the first one was a uh, pinnacle Hamilton and I, I was not able to link that one up. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to fail first yeah. to find out, you know, how far you're willing to go for something. So I tried to do pinnacle Pinnacle Hamilton um, in week three, I think. And, you know, it just wasn't going to work. Uh, you know, there was this situation and there was that situation. And then when the situation aligned, like all of a sudden there's a different situation. So some, so another game came up. I'm going to say for now that it was Castile uh, Saguaro. And I was like, dude, I got to set this up. If I don't set this up, like, dude, those kids from Saguaro are going to lose another game. Um, getting ducked, like it, it, you paid the price for being good. And for me, it was like, hey, coaches, give these kids a chance. Give your kids a chance. Let's see who really believes in their kids. And Castile, you know, I put it out there on Twitter, like Castile backs down from nobody. And here you go. Coach Newcomb accepts the opportunity to play Saguaro on 24 hours notice. After that, you know, I got the itch for it. I booked a few freshman games. I booked another uh, varsity game at the end of the season, Williamsfield versus um, Goldwater. And it's, it's been a blast. I, I want to do this for the kids. I want the kids to have fun. I don't want them to um, worry about their last game, even though, you know, some of them have already played it. But, you know, here we are. It's the playoffs, right? We tried to get Chandler IMG set up. That almost happened too, right? Yeah, we, we, were, we were a hiccup away from that. I needed three more days. I, I think I needed three more days to, to put that one together. Um, you know, I know everybody kind of thinks like, oh, Chandler didn't want that. Um, especially like around the country, you know, on record on the take it easy podcast with, uh, my guy, Eric and the other guy. Um, I am here to let you know that was not the case. That was not the case. Chandler was good to go. Chandler would have been ready. Austin field was open. Austin field was available. And, you know, IMG just had to gas up, gas up the jet. And I understand it was such short notice because by the time I got in touch with their coach, it was already Wednesday. And you're talking about 48 hours to prepare for what I believe is the number one team in the country. And I'm not talking about IMG. Oh. Hey, I, you know. You've seen it. You know. I, I had to think about that for what I had to think about what you said there for a second. I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, take that clip out there and put that on Twitter. I'm not, and tag me in it, please. No, I mean, honestly, I agree with you. I, I 100% agree with you. Um, you know, 
the the whole aspect of Chandler IMG potentially happening, I it, it was so funny because I even remember calling some of my buddies who like don't really pay attention that much to high school football. And I was literally like, I need you to go retweet my tweet because it was a hashtag uh, Chandler versus IMG 2020 or something like that. And I wanted that to blow up as much as possible just because, you know, when, when things blow up on Twitter, maybe they tend to, you know, happen. So um, it was really funny. I actually had friends who were like, Oh man, if this game happens, like I want to go see it. Like how would I be able to watch it? And I was like, we gotta, we gotta make it happen first. Yeah, and I need, I need people to understand. One, I'm not saying that IMG was afraid to play Chandler either. Um, IMG has like some travel restrict restrictions that they have to deal with too. So I'm trying to be fair. Um, you know, like I said, it got to be super last minute. It got to be super last minute, and that was ultimately the problem. Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to book a whole team on a flight, um, especially these days. Um, yeah, with all the protocols and everything. So getting back to the the chili bowl. Do Zach and I, as the guys kind of covering the East versus West team, um, do we have to put some kind of bet on this? Or what What can we do to add some more fun to the coverage? Oh, man. I, I, I would love to see y'all put put something at stake. I mean, um, somebody got to wear a mascot costume. Somebody got to, you know, uh, you know, whatever. I, 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 that would be hilarious. I'm, I'm all about that. Um, you guys let me know. I'm 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 down to vlog that, make that part of the uh, championship vlogs that we're gonna do in a couple weeks. Um, if you guys put a bet on this game, obviously Eric riding with Mountain Ridge believes in his uh, young squad over there, and um, I I know I know Zach is fully betting on uh, my man Kai Milner to put in this work. So just just to be clear, we're covering this game, but <laughs> you want us to openly root for the East and the West team that uh-huh. we're covering. A hundred percent. And that's why, you know, I trusted you guys and assigned you guys, uh, you know, w- you know, with you guys is uh, obviously desire to want to be a part of this. Um, you know, my man, Eric, goes hard on the West. And so I wanted to make sure that, you know, I had somebody that, you know, that team would trust somebody that could uh, go in depth uh, with some knowledge of that team and have some fun. So, yeah, I, I absolutely want you guys to, you know, cheer for your side openly. That's why, you know, Eric, he's not going to he's not going to cross over to the other side of the field. So, you know, he's he's going to get it all on the Mountain Ridge side. And, you know, you're going to stick on your Higley side. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and Mountain Ridge is like, OK, with me, you know, kind of being a Higley homer for this week. Right. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Because because they got they got their own. Um, OK, you know, I know Eric is going to ride and die and uh, represent Mountain Ridge to the fullest, you know, for, for one week. Um, th- Higley's not going to take it personally with Eric and Mountain Ridge isn't going to take it personally with you, Zach. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to ramp up some Twitter followers for everybody. Um, you know, Sandy Charles is going to get involved. Uh, this is going to be a blast. Uh, every, every media member that has reached out to me and wanted to take an active part of this, like I've tried to embrace and open up and find something for them to do. Uh, yeah. In that case, Higley by 21. Whoa. Whoa! I'm calling it right now. Higley by three touchdowns. So, so Eric, this is him fully giving you 21 points. I, I like to hear that. I like, man. Okay, okay, Are Zach, that's bold. Line on this. That's bold. Okay, well, 21 is the line now. Zach just made it. Fair enough. Um, Chili, I know you. Uh, you're a hat connoisseur. Do you have a lot? Do you have like a an ugly hat or something? Um, that 
or an idea of something like maybe whoever loses, they have to wear an ugly hat to the next game they cover or something along those lines. I'm trying to think of what our bet. I will buy an ugly hat if that's what we're doing. And, and, and the loser has to wear said ugly hat on the sidelines for the championship game for the six, a championship. Is that what we're doing? What do you think about that? Zach, does that ruin your credibility? Oh, I mean, I, we don't, are we limiting it to only a hat? <laughs> I think so. I think at a certain point they might. The whoever's working the um, ticket at, and the the media call sheet at the championship game might be confused if somebody comes in wearing like an Elmo costume or something like that. <laughs> well, we'll see. What I'm thinking is it doesn't have to be while we're covering a game. I mean, we. I mean, we have the Arizona Varsity Reward Show coming up, right? Hmm. I mean, we could just make that a, a Zoom aspect, and then whoever you know, whoever loses this game, has to dress up in something ridiculous for the entire show. Oh, I dig man. that. I dig that. That's better than I mean, the sideline because I mean, honestly, I'm I'm extremely confident that Higley's going to win this ball game. So, I mean, I'm I'm let's go as crazy as possible. I'm cool with it. Okay, whoever, um, whoever loses Zach has to dress up as a cowboy for the um for the award show. Like a cowboy with a full with a cowboy hat and like boots and spurs and all that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, hang on, wait. The boots and spurs thing. First of all, cowboy boots are expensive. Yeah, let's let's chill out for a second. And like a flannel shirt or something like that. How about a? How about we have to look like Woody, just the top half. <laughs> I'm, with that. I'm so down for that. One we'll of you guys figure something out, but no. Know that we'll have a bet on it. I'm down for that. Okay. Okay. I'm Either down. that or we could, I mean, Chili mentioned a chicken suit. Do you own a chicken suit? Wait a minute. Wait, I have it. I got it. Wait, I got it. I got it. I got it. You guys ready for this? Yeah. What's up? The loser. Now th- this will be a good one because it's kind of funny. So it's not as embarrassing either. The loser has to dress up in one of those inflatable dinosaur outfits, the entire Arizona varsity reward show. So I like that, but where do you even get one of those? Like, I don't own an inflatable Amazon, man. Amazon, come on now. I can't imagine those things are cheap. I mean, it's an idea. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. You guys are hilarious. I mean, man, I mean, well, I don't know. We'll, We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But for those of you listening, there will be a bet. Eric and I will have to bet something whether it be a crazy hat at the at the championship game i mean we could dress as cowboys at the championship game just minus the boots just for fun <laughs> <laughs> not for fun no. <laughs> um I'm, I'm 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 liking the dinosaur costume idea and it's not that expensive you know what i think i might bankroll that okay okay that's I bankroll that i uh i think the uh i think we're devolving a little bit um chili <laughs> give us one more plug for you um and we'll get you out of here let you get on with your night man um i appreciate all the support that everybody's given uh with the tweets with the hashtags um with the likes with the um public support for the chili bowl um higley mountain ridge i know that they're uh, very thankful for the all, all the attention that's coming um, i want to shout out like king of the game and focus seven uh, my man brady uh, some of these uh, videographers that have committed to coming out, um, you two uh, have been amazing. Like having the Take It Easy podcast sideline reporting 
um, for two teams, I think is is absolutely huge. I want to show some love to Sandy Charles um, for committing to doing some pregame and halftime stuff. Uh, shoot, Kevin McCabe, Grand Canyon State Gridiron Club, um, everybody trying to, you know, uh, throw their two cents in and trying to, you know, make this a cool experience for the kids because at the end of the day, like I said, that's that's who this is really for. And, you know, uh, Madoski and Zuby for, you know, uh, getting their teams fired up and getting their coaching staff fired up. I can't say enough about, you know, the direction of both of those programs. I know I know everybody's looking at them like three-win teams now, but I promise both of these programs are going to be back. Higley's going to be back back soon, and Mountain Ridge is going is going one direction, and that's up. Yeah, and uh, also for those of you that want to catch up with the teams a little bit more, Eric and I are both going to be doing stories for Arizona Varsity. Eric already has one up right now. It's called Chili Bowl Countdown, Madoski using final game to evaluate Mountain Ridge. I'm going to try to have one up um, tonight as we record this, which is Monday, uh, on Eddie Zuby and kind of his vision for this game. And then you can expect articles from Eric and I pretty much all throughout the entire week as well. Um, I will do a little spoiler alert. My last article that will be before the game is officially going to be the Kai Milner curtain call which uh, I think is going to be a very special one. I had a very good interview with Kai. Uh, almost got a little emotional there as well. So uh, definitely look out for all of those. Tune into the game. Come out and see it if you can. Uh, I know there will be restrictions, obviously, on fans and everything. But uh, tune in on Twitter because Eric and I will have uh, coverage like never before from a game. That That's 100%. one thing that's going to be fun. 100%. I think it's super important that everybody follows uh, at Zach Alvira and at uh, E. Newman Wrights. Right, that, that's what it is. E. Newman. Yep. So make sure that you follow both of these guys on Twitter because it's going to be fun for both sides too. For both sides. So like, even if you're a Mountain Ridge fan, follow Zach. It, it's going to be electric, and I think it's really going to change the way that uh, you know media coverage is allowed based on you know trusted media members. So you know, as we move into 2021, you know, I'm trying to you know uh, make sure that we ramp some things up, you know, going forward. Absolutely. And uh, Chili, really quick, what games are you going to be at this week? You know what? That's a really good question because uh, I, I'm, there's one game that I'm not even allowed to mention um, publicly or privately, I guess, and um, I'm not sure which games I'm going to go to. Uh, Chandler looks very, very uh, interesting, kind of. Um, I mean, I know Chandler kind of rolls everybody, but I think that this is going to be, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be it'll be fun to see Chandler for like the fifth time this year because the number one team in the country is always, um, you know, fun to watch, right? Um, mm -hmm. But you know, teams aren't going to just teams aren't going to just lay down for them. So, you know, like they're going to have to make sure that, you know, they they bring their A game still, you know, even though um, they're the number one team in the country. So it's going to be it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I know that Hamilton South Point's going to be a good time. I, I, I'm, I'm really not sure on Friday. Dude, those Northwest teams are serious, but I think I might dip down into the foray and check out um, uh, Casa, Casa Grande and um, and uh, Cactus. Okay. Interesting. You're going to make the trip all the way down there, huh? Maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, where where y'all going? Y'all let me know where y'all are going, then it's going to give me a better idea where I'm going. Man, I'm honestly not even sure yet. Uh, I'm kind of still deciding. I won't even really know probably until like Wednesday or Thursday, but I'm kind of deciding between Mesquite, ALA, Queen Creek, and um, I don't know, man. I kind of – I might have to make a bet with uh, – with Mr. Morgan, your uh, you know intern of the year, because Highland is playing Boulder Creek, so okay. 
Hey, I'm curious to see how Liberty comes out fighting versus Chandler. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Eric will tell me some things on the uh, on the two piece for the Way Out West report as we start breaking down some of those games. So, you know, we'll see. Yep, yep. And I think that's where the game I'm going to be at on Saturday too. I'll be there. So, okay, I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Second time on on, on you guys' podcast, and you know, I'm grateful. It won't be the last either. Thanks, Thanks Joey. Later, guys. Thank you again to Chili for joining us. Uh, once again, tune into the Chili Bowl on Thursday, whether it be on Twitter or potentially in person, depending on restrictions. Um, you can follow myself and Eric and Chili and um, a slew of other media members that are actually going to be out there covering the game. Eric and I are going to have that access to kind of do a little bit more than usual. So definitely tune in for that. With that said, we're going to jump right into our interview with David Hines, the AIA Executive Director, talking to him about fall and winter sports and all the facts, not just the mumbo jumbo you see on Twitter from parents or, you know, maybe uninformed individuals that don't know the reasoning behind everything that that went on with the AIA this year, obviously, during a pandemic. We're going to be talking straight facts here. So here's our interview with David Hines. David Hines, the executive director of the Arizona Interscholastic Association, now joins us. David, how are you doing tonight? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks, Zach. Really appreciate being a part. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be able to catch you. I know you're very busy this season, obviously, with everything going on. Um, I kind of want to start there. The fall sports season is coming to an end. Most of the sports have already wrapped up their seasons, obviously, and it's been a, a difficult one, to say the least. Um, you know, just to get to the point that we're at now with really just two weeks left in the football season, we saw badminton finish. We saw, uh, you know, when, or yeah, when, sorry, fall soccer finish winter soccer is coming up. Um, we saw volleyball get wrapped up here, swim cross country. Is, Is that alone a success in your eyes to at least finish out most of the fall sports season? It looks like we're going to be on track to finish the entire fall sports season. Uh, Zach, we are really lucky. Um, it took a lot uh, for us to get to the point to be able to start all of our sports this fall. Uh, the fact that we've pretty much finished everything uh, but two weeks of football, we're very, very pleased with that. There have been uh, multiple challenges along the way. Uh, we've had some incident where teams have had to cancel. And as we saw last week, a couple teams that uh, – had COVID hit at just a really, really wrong time, a bad time for those particular teams. But we feel very fortunate that we've gotten to the point uh, that we have. Uh, And the whole goal was that our kids had an opportunity to have a fall season. And uh, if we can uh, hang in there for the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll get that goal accomplished. Yeah, and I'm sure that the, um, you know, the Saguaro situation, obviously, that's one of the teams that unfortunately had to cancel and end their season early. Uh, We saw Glendale. We'll come back to that aspect of things. But um, you mentioned, you know, more teams than that have had to cancel games. And it seems like basically on a weekly basis, we saw at least one, maybe two games get canceled. But while that looks bad, it's mostly because, you know, guys like me and Eric aren't reporting on every other game that's still going on without problems so i know there's a certain percentage are you able to share the percentage of games that were still eight being i said i guess you should say that were still able to be played this season as far as all the fall sports go 
Absolutely. Um, we uh, did not have any cancellations in the sport of golf and cross country and uh, badminton. So we feel very fortunate for that. Volleyball uh, completed 97% of all games that were scheduled. We had over 4,400 games uh, wow. scheduled for volleyball. And uh, for football, we had uh, 94% of our games were played that were scheduled. So we did have some uh, instances where uh, teams did have to cancel or um, they were under COVID protocols, close contacts. Uh, I will like to say that uh, all of our schools, I felt, did a tremendous job of doing uh, following the protocols that we put into place. And when there were uh, positive cases or close contacts, they did exactly uh, as the protocol follow. Even uh, I, I uh, commend uh, Saguaro, very difficult position uh, to be in. Uh, you know, but they had uh, the cases that they did. Uh, they followed protocol. That's a very, very difficult decision to have to make, but it was the right one to make uh, at the time for them based on their circumstance. We want to try to keep uh, our kids healthy. Um, and so I just applaud all the schools. They did a tremendous job, Zach. Um how at the beginning of this, how much are you looking at what the other states are doing um, around the area or what, you know, the trends that are going on in the country and kind of comparing our state to that? Or is it just an independent decision from all of that? Well, we always I meet with the, the directors across the country uh, every couple of weeks because we're all in the same situation. Right. Uh, I think the thing that we were fortunate uh that our kind of neighboring states were not as fortunate is um, our government, our governor did not step in and say, uh, we're going to shut things down. Uh, and I think that was a big difference in California, Nevada, uh, in New Mexico, uh, and even recently in Utah uh, and several other states, the, the governor stepped in and just said, we're going to um, uh, not play at this time. Uh, they looked at some scenarios where they could begin in January. Uh, my biggest concern then was we don't know what it's going to be like in January. And uh, we wanted, while we had an opportunity to, to try to get the fall season in, um, and as we've found out, it was uh, probably pretty good timing on our part. Uh, while the cases were low, uh, we, we certainly have some cases that are rising now. Uh, but I think the biggest um, thing is we were able to look at the states that did uh, have some fall season, and we tried to uh, get as much data from those directors from those states, and we were able to use uh, some of that information uh, to help us with our sports medicine advisory committee and our executive board. Do you think part of that, you know, the the ability to keep playing outside all year um I guess when you're when you're considering some of the fall sports, it starts getting colder and everything um, in other states. But here, for the most part, it's warmer. Do you think that was kind of helpful in being able to delay um, some of the sports in the ways that they did? Well, I think it really helped football uh, because we as hot as it was <laughs> uh, in late July and early right. August through August, uh, I think it would have been really difficult for our kids 
trying to practice when the heat was as high as it was. So uh, I think it was a blessing in disguise that we were able to start later. Uh, I know that some athletic directors have talked and said, you know, maybe we look at starting uh, a little bit later and, and going a little later with football uh, just because of our, our heat. Uh, so uh, we were fortunate, I think, from that situation. Um, and it is concerning with, um, you know, some other states that uh, weather could play a huge impact on uh, if they're trying to do something uh, during January or February. You know, in the, I think it was probably towards August and September, we saw probably the most backlash that the AI has ever received when it comes to, um, you know, the delay and everything like that. Uh, you know, parents obviously angry, um, not even really a lot of it coming from coaches and the kids. It was mostly just the parents that wanted them to play. Um you know, is that something that the AIA looks at, I guess you can say, or was that kind of just, you know, let them, you know, do their thing and you guys are going to obviously make the right decisions for all the kids? Well, uh, that's a great point, Zach. And, and uh, I think, you know, we're, we're here for the kids and we had no intent uh, or intention of not having a fall season. We knew that our numbers were getting better. We knew we were going to have to wait. And to be very honest, we would not have been able to start football any sooner than we did. Uh, we were able to get to the numbers we needed. We had some help from uh, our sports medicine advisory committee to help us with uh, a couple of the metrics or one of the metrics um, with football that helped us get started. I think we showed uh, that the schools did a good job of, of uh, following the protocols and keeping kids uh, healthy. I think the thing that we learned is kids are safer at school, um, whether they're just at school or they're within their team practicing at school, uh, because those kids uh, are following the mitigation strategies that the schools and our uh, teams have put into place uh, on a daily basis. And we have data and confirmation that, you know, it is safer at school and that we are not finding cases uh, that are um, being transmitted during competition or practice. We find when we contact trace that any cases that do come into a program uh, have been traced back to things outside of school, outside of practice, um, whether uh, they had a family member or they were on vacation or uh, they were, you know, with their friends or out in a group and they weren't following the mitigation strategies that they typically do at school and at practice. Yeah, that that's one thing that, you know, I've even talked to you about is the fact that, you know, a lot of people, at, you know, whether it be educators, coaches, administrators, they they don't seem to see the virus spreading within the walls of school like you just mentioned or for that matter within like a football program or something like that um it seems to happen all outside and you know i guess from from your standpoint obviously you know being involved with athletics for so long how do you tell kids to you know i guess, i guess not hang around with the guys that they're practicing with because maybe outside of practices where they kind of relax those measures even more. Is that, is that something that's difficult that you've, that you've heard from other coaches that I guess 
they struggle with sometimes? Well, I think it's very difficult uh, that I think the coaches have done a really good job of trying to communicate that. I think our biggest uh, input has been to athletic directors and to coaches themselves saying, uh, hey, we want the kids to to have a season and we want to continue this. But, you know, to tell you the truth, it's up to them uh, to try to keep as safe as possible. Uh, and so as much as I think our coaches have done a really good job of communicating to the kids, uh, kids are kids. And um, sometimes when they're uh, not under the leadership of their coach or school, um, they get tired of following some of those protocols and uh, they relax some. And with some when they, we find out when things get relaxed and they don't follow those, they don't wear a mask, they are in groups that uh, probably isn't to their uh, advantage. That's when we find uh, that cases do occur. So uh, I think our coaches, I think that's what our focus has been through the coaches because they have the most impact with the kids. Um, and I do think that the coaches have created a lot of strategies and mitigation um, procedures within their teams that if they did have um, a case or two, that uh, they have kids that are still available to play, uh, which is really, really uh, important. So I think they have um, isolated some of their uh, position groups and and, and different teams within the team uh, to try to make sure that they always have enough kids. The problem is when we have our smaller schools that have smaller teams, they just don't have the ability to do that when they have uh, a couple kids go down that, that could, or some close contacts that involve five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 kids. Uh, that really destroys uh, their team. Have you, and I know I asked you about some of the influences with the other states before, but when you're when you're thinking about um, starting up or delaying or anything, are you looking at some of the other, you know, independent club tournaments or other leagues and everything in the state, or is that is it tough to do that because you're on such a bigger scale? Well, you know, um, uh, Zach, it's it's really interesting because. Uh, we, we, all of our kids uh, that play high school, uh, a large majority of them play in the club world. And uh, we're all in this together. Uh, but I, it was a little frustrating to uh, see that we were having a harder time getting going and it didn't seem like there was a lot of um, uh, uh, oversight um, with the clubs that they were kind of able to, to move forward. Uh, no one uh, putting some restrictions on them. Obviously, all of our uh, association are school members. So we really tried to align very closely with the Department of Ed and our schools, uh, which may, puts a little more pressure on us. We have a little more accountability uh, from that standpoint. So um, we had to make sure we were doing things uh, to the very best uh, of our ability uh, to get going and to continue going. Um, and I, I know that, uh, uh, again, we could be shut down at any time if the governor stepped in and said, hey, we're going to have to do that, as has been done in a couple, uh, a few of the states around us. Uh, we're just lucky right now that we're um, 
able to continue going. Obviously, we have reduced number of fans um, uh, in the stands uh, to try to help keep people safe. Everybody's wearing a mask when they uh, come to the game and during the game. And uh, our coaches uh, are in mass, sideline personnel are in mass. And uh, I think really, again, for the most part, the vast majority of our schools have done a very good job with that, which I think has really helped uh, keep us playing. Has COVID affected um, some of the unified sports or the activities? Like I know there's a lot of teams with a robotics team um, or things like that. Has COVID affected those or are they under kind of the same guidelines as everything else? Um well, robotics, some of our uh, activities uh, do not fall under the, uh, the guidelines of our athletics. Uh, so that's really more of a school and district decision. So we haven't uh, had as much effect with that. In some cases, some of the schools are not um, participating in some of the activities, but uh, especially um Robotics is, uh, again, because they're doing their work at school, all those schools that have continued that, uh, we have not seen uh, much concern with that. And obviously, eSports has done real well because you can do that, um, you know, through your computer. And you do that from home, yeah. You don't have to sit uh, all together. You can do it remotely. So that's actually been very, very positive. David, one thing that Eric and I were really happy about is the fact that there was a committee this year for the open division. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, I can speak on behalf of Eric and myself and maybe a lot of others that the computer rankings for the open division before the final ones came out were a little, uh, a little strange to say the least. <laughs> um, cause of the computer ranking, the formula, everything like that, especially in such a weird year like this, it's really hard to gauge, you know, um, how a computer would, I guess, look at those teams is, first of all, how successful do you think the committee vote was? And also, do you think that's something that you guys actually may end up doing going forward for all conferences? Um, no, that, you were very kind, uh, Zach. So thank you. Um, we knew that early on, uh, actually, even right before we started, we brought that up to the 4A, 5A conferences. Uh, and to be very honest, early on, they wanted to go with the, um, the ratings. Um, and I think as we got into probably week number uh, four, week number five, um, week number six, we knew that, that uh, the conferences had done a great job of scheduling uh, early games that were cross-conference games that would have really helped with the ratings. But when we had to start late, those first two, three weeks of competition uh, were taken off the schedule early on and we had to redo some of those. So uh, more play was done within the within their region, less cross-conference, a lot of less uh, crossover, which really um, is more difficult when we're trying to evaluate three different conferences for a unified uh, off of a rating system. So we went to the executive board and uh, said we would like to have a committee look at this uh, as we were moving into week seven and eight. Uh, we reached out uh, to 11 
uh, people that are athletic directors that were very, very much in the know, uh, had worked with us uh, as part of the reclassification uh, in, in some of that. And we knew that these individuals would check their ego at the door. They have seen a lot of games. They knew a lot of the, the teams that were um, in the top 16 or so of each of the uh, each of the conferences. So as we're evaluating uh, the top eight, uh, I thought that they did a, a very good job of having uh, quite a discussion. We looked at lots of different information. We looked at the schedules. We looked at our ratings. We looked at the um, uh, the traditional max preps ratings uh, and, and looked at who these teams and who the top uh, several teams in each conference, uh, who they had played and, the, and kind of the quality of wins or losses. And uh, I think what we really, uh, the first task was uh, let's determine who the top eight uh, teams that we would all agree on would be the top eight um, based on all the information that we had. So that was the first thing that, uh, that, the committee did. Uh, they came to consensus fairly quickly on the eight. Um, then they kind of determined who really the top four and then the next four were. And um, actually in a, in a matter of a fairly short time uh, without everybody trying to really get into the weeds of everything, uh, they had a unanimous decision that not not only is this the eight that really uh, deserved to be in the in the open, but the order um, they felt was was justified. Absolutely, and you know we we talked a little bit about Saguaro and Glendale, and you know another team to mention is Washington Apache Junction. Unfortunately, they had to end their seasons early because of COVID cases within the program. Um, you know, obviously with the schedule, how it is, it'd be very hard to do a makeup game for those. Right. But my question to you is what happens if we get to next week and a team that's supposed to be in the championship ends up having to pause activities because of COVID cases? Would that result in a forfeit or would there be an opportunity to potentially push that game back? Uh, we would not push the game back at this time. We're going to get to uh, the next uh two weeks in a little over a week and a half to try to get these games in. Obviously cases have risen and and we're just fortunate that we're still playing at this time. Um, And and all those uh, we knew going in that there were going to be some uh, cancellations. We knew that it could be the timing uh, that some of these schools fell under um, was very challenging, um, as is Saguaro, as Saguaro, as uh, Marinci was last weekend when they had to, to pull out. Um, you know, I, I think what everybody was uh, didn't understand, say, with the Glendale situation, uh, everybody knows at the beginning of the year uh, when the last day to play is. And um, so honestly, uh, we were not able to push that back. There are hundreds of games that are affected. uh, And at the end of the year, that is a deadline. Uh, 
And one of the things uh, in the 13 years that I've been at the AIA, I've overseen swimming, I've overseen track, um, which is has deadlines for entries. Um, we have been consistent every time. We have to be consistent. We can't make exceptions because if we make one exception, uh, we might not have, we, we might as well not even have a rule. Uh, and it's just like playing a game. Uh, you know, if, if you have a violation, the official can't overlook the violation uh, or the penalty uh, because what penalty do we, you know, uh, make an exception for later? So unfortunately, uh, we had, uh, you know, the end of the season ended on Friday. Um, if they could have played in any time on Friday, that would have been uh, acceptable. But uh, by Saturday morning, the brackets uh, had to be run um, and we moved on. Uh, and again, I hope that doesn't sound harsh, but in our position at the AIA, we have to be consistent. And when there's a deadline, uh, we're going to follow that deadline. Absolutely. Uh, I want to transition into winter sports now. Um, what was, I guess, let me back up. This is probably one of the biggest questions that I've had. I've had, uh, when I wrote that story saying that, you know, winter sports was delayed until at least January 5th. Um, it was how can fall sports continue, but winter sports can't start up. Um, you know, obviously this is a question that I've asked you before that I've all, that I've put in my articles, but just for the sake of, uh, you know, clearing the air with that one, uh, what is the reason that winter sports was delayed when fall sports is able to continue and finish out that season? No, Zach, that's a great question. And it's apples and oranges. And I understand people don't, don't see that. Right. Uh, we had metrics that allowed us to begin the fall season. Uh, and once we began, metrics uh, were not part of the equation to either suspend or discontinue the fall season. So we had protocol that was very clear from the beginning that if we were to suspend or discontinue a season for a team, it was based on the individual team. If they had... Um, uh, a certain number of cases for larger teams that were over 25 um, athletes or, or smaller teams that were under 25. We had protocol in place that uh, if you had X number of uh, cases, then uh, you had to um, shut down for a minimum of two weeks uh, and or shut down the program. And so that's how we were able to continue with the fall. Uh, our winter sports, every season of sport that we have, then we have to have to uh, hit certain benchmarks to begin the season. So uh, working with our sports medicine advisory committee, we worked through the state uh, department of health, the uh, department of education, our sports medicine advisory committee, our executive board. Uh, we asked since uh, we were not finding uh, cases that were um, kind of popping up at school or within our, in our uh, teams, um, that we felt it was safer to be involved in a program following those mitigations. We asked uh, that we look at this differently, that we did not use the metrics uh, that we originally put together um, 
because we would not meet the metrics. And we felt that it's safer to be at school. It's safer to be within the team uh, than not. Um, and the fact that um, some of the collab activity was continue to go on. And we wanted to protect the kids that wanted to have the opportunity to play at the high during their high school season. Um, these Those kids, uh, after their two or three month high school season, then can uh, go play club the rest of the year. Uh, we wanted that opportunity for those kids during those couple couple months to be able to, to play with their high school team. And we were able to uh, get that approved. And so, uh, but with that being said, uh, there was some caveats with that, that we would delay um, uh, till January to try to get a handle on, on this COVID. Um, again, for, for kids to uh, stay in their smaller groups. And uh, then the other part was, as of right now, again, we'll monitor metrics uh, as we get closer to January. But uh, one thing that was real important with SMAC and the state health department is um, they agreed with the kids, but felt like no fans uh, should be in the, in, uh, uh, at the games, at least to start with. So we will monitor that as we get closer to January, obviously, we would love to have um, our parents be able to see their kids play. That's very important. However, our number one concern is that our kids have the opportunity to compete. And uh, that's how we were able to uh, set the date of January 5th um, and kind of get approval for that to move forward. So that was the difference between the fall and getting started with the winter. Do you ultimately think that the delay um will help them finish the seasons better we're hoping that by the time we get going that uh things can start being able to be reduced um that we continue to be as safe as we can with the kids and that we can uh uh, know that if we follow these mitigation strategies that we have a real good opportunity uh, to be able to complete our season, even if it's not quite as long as we had hoped, uh, there's still a really good chance we can get most all of our games in uh, during the seven to eight weeks that we would have. Is it just a, a lot of stress and zoom meetings and everything for you right now or what's the what's day-to-day -day like for you in the aia because i can't imagine it's easy right now um well i'm kind of old zach and i've been very fortunate that i kept my hair color um, <laughs> until the last six months and my daughter uh, recently said dad your hair is getting really gray uh so yeah it has been very stressful on on all of us um at the office uh, because we want so bad for our kids to play. Uh, it, it has been uh, developing a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, and obviously we've seen that we got to, you know, plan C or D in the fall. And uh, we're on plan B uh, with the winter right now. Um, obviously we wanted the plan A, uh, but we have to you know, think ahead. We have to be ready to adapt. We have to be able to be flexible. 
Uh, and I do think that our schools have been very, very flexible. We've had a cancellation in a football game at 1.30 in the afternoon and two other, one of the teams that was canceled on and another team that had a cancellation uh, got together and played a game at seven that night. Uh, you can't be any more flexible than that. Um, and uh, I think that uh, our schools have done a really good job with that. Uh, but it, it kind of gives us, uh, the goal to do the things we need to do so that we can get this season in. We are still trying to protect the spring as much as possible uh, because they lost their season last year. So we have made the decision to go one week into spring, extend our winter one week uh, so that we could get an extra couple to three games in. Uh, but we are still going to protect our spring. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't want a kids, our kids to have, lose an entire season and then come back and, and only have a part of a season. We want to give them as much of a season as we can give them. You know, we've mentioned, you've mentioned the, the club ball aspect a couple times now. And one of the rules that you guys actually put in place for this winter is the fact that essentially if, if athletes want, if athletes and coaches actually too are included in that as well, if they want to start practice, on the day of the official winter sports season, they have to stop playing club ball two weeks prior. And one thing that you were you actually told me as well um, for one of the stories I wrote, which was very interesting, is that goes for all club sports. So if someone's playing basketball, they can't go play in a baseball tournament that weekend or else they have to sit out 14 days. So it's almost like a mandatory quarantine in some ways, right? Right. And so, again, going back to our mitigation strategies and and the whole point of being safe at school is these uh, kids are within their group uh, on a day to day basis. And any time that that group uh, goes and is in contact with people outside of that group increases the risk of either that individual or people uh, potentially um contracting uh, the COVID virus. So what we did put into place, and this is something that we communicated with the state health department and our sports medicine is, which is another reason that we were able to uh, get the start date that we did is, you know, uh, during the winter, or excuse me, during the winter uh, break in December, there's going to be some club tournaments and and uh, so typically we would be playing, those kids would not be able to play. So we've given the opportunity to those kids to play in a club tournament if they need to be seen. However, uh, if you do do that, uh, then you have to quarantine 14 days before you can come back, be with your kids to protect your team. Uh, and that goes for coaches in competition. So if they are coaching a team that they go and uh, are, are part of a tournament, uh, especially in tournaments that have uh, teams from outside of our state where we don't know uh, the protocols that they have or have been following, um, we felt we needed to protect the kids in Arizona and within that team. Uh, and so the kids can make a choice uh, whether they whether they play in that club tournament or or uh, not sit out. So despite what all the parents and social media says, you guys really are trying to help the kids play play games this entire year, right? Oh, absolutely. And God bless <laughs> all the parents, but we don't answer to parents. Uh, That's right. As a parent myself, I mean, obviously, uh, you kind of tend to get overly involved. Uh, 
um, and maybe don't um, think as rationally as you probably would if you were didn't have the kids involved in it. Um, and, and I understand why, but the bottom line is we're here for the kids and that's why we do what we do and we're going to protect the kids and uh, that's going to be our number one priority um, and whatever we need to do to be able to have a season or, or to keep those kids as safe as possible, uh, that's what we're going to do first. Everything else is going to be second or third. And David, one thing I do want to ask before we wrap things up here, you know, uh, Dr. Menzel from the Scottsdale Unified School District said something kind of interesting a couple weeks ago, and he even thought of potentially making all winter sport athletes um, test for COVID-19 before they're allowed to actually begin uh, participation. Now, I don't know if that's one of the things where he said it's just a one-time thing just to start or if it's like a partnership that they're going to do for frequent testing. But we saw the same thing with in, in Texas with their athletic association doing the same thing there with all of their kids, which obviously, you know, probably isn't exactly easy. Um, but was that ever a thought from the SMAC committee even to maybe partner with someone maybe like Embry or, you know, Banner or any of these other organizations that are offering the free COVID tests? Absolutely. Uh, this was discussed uh, when we started talking winter sports with our sports medicine, um, let's see, in October, um, uh, because we did not have a November meeting. But it was discussed uh, about testing for the winter, and, and there was a lot of discussion about that, and it was very favorable. Uh, but ultimately, the smack did not go that direction because they didn't feel that every athlete um, would have the opportunity to be tested and they didn't want to leave any kids out because they couldn't afford it or they didn't have the wherewithal to be able to get the test or the test wasn't available. Uh, so that was what the SMAC talked about. When we did talk with the state health department, department of ed, and, and when Dr. Wilson was on the call that we had, we had this discussion again. And, and Dr. Wilson did talk about that this was um, discussed quite a bit. Um, and Dr. Chris suggested that all the counties uh, have the ability to do some testing um, and do some testing for free. Uh, and I think ultimately uh, what I communicated to is we are all for that. However, if we cannot test every student that, that wants to participate and it's free, then we're not going to eliminate kids because they would not be able to be tested. Uh, but you're absolutely right. A test uh, that you take is a snapshot of the time that you took that test. So you could test, be negative, walk out of the test, and come in contact with someone and within yep. two days um, have COVID. So, you know, without uh, a, a situation like professional sports or even some of the, the Power Five conferences in football, uh, you know, in college, um, they, they're, that they're doing the testing, you know, every other day or every day, um, we don't have that ability, and it is it is a huge expense uh, that we don't have. Um, and so, even 
uh, Dr. Chris talked about, I think we could help do that, but I don't know if we could capture all of them. Um, and was she was very concerned with protecting all kids um, also. So that is not out of the realm of possibility, uh, but we would have to be able to, to have some people partner uh, with our schools, whether it's the counties, whether it's, you know, through ASU or one of the, one of the uh, big um, healthcare facilities or things to, to be able to get, that's a, it's a lot of kids to test. Um, but that was something that we discussed before you could uh, begin the winter season. Yeah. Uh, David, really quick, uh, we've got open division on Saturday. We have all the conferences on Friday. Uh, how many and, um, you know, where do you plan on being this, this weekend? If, uh, if you go to catch some of these games? Well, unfortunately we have still, uh, you know, um, quite a few semifinals, uh, to go on Friday and Saturday. So, um, we do, uh, stream most of them. Uh, so I'll try to either get to one or two of them. I try to go to, to two games on a weekend. Uh, if not, then I will pull up my NFHS network and start switching (laughs) from game to game, um, to be able to see as many games as I can. Um, we just, (laughs) excuse me, we talked today as a staff and kind of, said, okay, who can, who can be at this game? Who can be at this, who can be at that game so that we have representation at all of them. Uh, and I think we do have that, but it's, it's very difficult to, for us when we get to the end uh, to be very many places at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Uh, David, once again, thank you so much for joining us. It was a great conversation. It was great to, uh, you know, kind of get, I guess, even a little bit more knowledge on, you know, what took place to allow fall sports to happen. And then obviously the measures that are, are being taken now to potentially get winter sports off the ground here in, in January. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for obviously sharing all that information as well. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Zach and Eric, thank you so much for allowing me to be on. And uh, I can't thank you both enough for uh, giving me the opportunity to just talk facts and I think that's the biggest challenge is there's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas, but they don't have all the facts. And we're dealing with facts on a daily basis. Uh, and we know what we're doing behind the scenes. Uh, most people don't know that we're working very hard behind the scenes, looking at different options, um, that we're not sitting around twiddling our thumbs, uh, hoping for the best, you know, but uh there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and I applaud our staff and, and uh, our SMAC committee and our executive board for making the decisions that they have and giving our kids an opportunity. So thank you guys for uh, promoting our kids. You do a great job of that. Uh, and I think that's what they deserve. Absolutely. Thank you, David, again, really do appreciate it. Much appreciated. Thank you guys very much. Thank you again to David Hines for joining us. Uh, like I said before, always a great time to speak with him and talking facts. We're not just, you know, like I said before, listen to the mumbo jumbo on Twitter from parents or anybody else that's uninformed about everything going on. Um, with that said, Eric and I are going to wrap things up here again. Make sure to tune into the chili bowl on Thursday. And then obviously stick around on Friday and Saturday for Eric and I, Eric and I's coverage from the conference playoffs and also the open division playoffs as well. 
Uh, I believe Eric and I are both going to be at Chandler and Liberty. I think that's something that we already discussed uh, maybe off the podcast, but I think that's the game that uh, both of us are going to be at on Saturday. So you kind of can get a, a dual perspective from that one along with, I'm sure, several other media members that will be there as well. With that said, make sure to give us all a follow on Twitter at Zach Elvira, at E. Newman Wrights, at AZHSFB, and at Arizona Varsity. Once again, thank you to Chili and David Hines for joining us, and thank you for tuning in and listening to us, and we will see you next week. Woof.